Patrice Andres, a 38-year-old hairdresser from Cumming, Georgia, went missing between 11.37 and 11.50am on April 15th, 2004. Patrice vanished in broad daylight and all of this happened in the span of 13 minutes. Even authorities were confused about this mysterious disappearance and how it could happen with little to no detail. However, on December 6th, 2005, her remains were discovered in Dawson County, Georgia. Her husband Rob, as well as two serial killers, Jeremy Jones and Gary Hilton, are all suspects in her death. Regardless, the case is still unsolved. In today's episode, we will be discussing the disappearance of Patrice Andres. Hey, I'm your host Benjamin Bryan, and you're listening to Peace. Patrice had a son from a previous relationship, Pistol Black. When she vanished, he was in ninth grade. She would wake him up every morning by running on the treadmill, and on April 15th, 2004, she did just that. They had a brief argument that morning because he was rushed to get to school. He wanted to arrive early to speak with his girlfriend before class. Patrice dropped him off at school that morning. She told him that she loved him and that she would see him later that day. He told her he loved her for the last time and it was the last thing he spoke to her. Pistol was in biology class when he was summoned to the office by a school resource officer later that day. They asked if he had talked to his mother, to which he replied he had not. He then inquired as to whether he could contact her in any way. He tried calling her on his cell phone, but she didn't pick up. If she didn't answer the phone, she would usually call back right away, but called three times. However, there was no response. He sensed something wasn't quite right. Patrice was a huge part of Pistol's life. She attended every one of his meets and games, she had always wished for him to be content. His mother, he said, had a passion for cutting hair and making people seem beautiful since he was a child. She would always tell him that when he was a teenager that he could attempt different hairstyles or try something new with his hair. He had a different haircut about every other week. She used to work in other people's salons when Pistol was younger. Patrice eventually reached the point where she could create her salon. She established a business that drew customers in regularly. Nancy Hunt, one of her friends, noted that she was always a joy to be around and that she was always upbeat and smiling. She was constantly attempting to make others feel special. Nancy described her salon as a dream come true and she was quite proud of it. Rob, her husband, was the one who encouraged her to start it. Patrice and Rob met when he was 50 and she was 30 years old. She was renting a chair in a two-station beauty salon at that time. When he came in for a haircut, the two first met. They married in 1997 after falling in love. He considered the seven years they spent together to be the happiest years of his life. He remembers how much her neighbors and customers adored her. Customers would frequently stay for hours after she trimmed their hair just to talk with her. Patrice was introduced to Anne McDonald several years before she vanished as a walk-in at her salon. The two hit it off right away and became fast friends. Anne and Patrice often visited the salon because it was close to Anne's residence. Every afternoon, she would stop over to see her. Woman, are you going to come back here tomorrow? Patrice said when she visited her the night before her disappearance. Anne said that she would be there, of course. On April 15, 2004, Patrice vanished during the day. According to officials, Patrice is suspected to have been kidnapped from her salon. Patrice's vehicle was parked at an unusual angle, according to some people, but the salon was empty by the time another person came. 
so little is known about what happened. Anne usually dialed Patrice's number on her phone. On the day of her disappearance, Patrice's phone went straight to voicemail, which she found odd. The salon was surrounded by police cars by the time she arrived, but after arriving at the salon and seeing it was empty, a customer called 911. When officers arrived there, they found the cash register open and money missing from it. Her wallet was on the counter, as were her car keys. Her lunch was placed near the microwave on the counter, indicating that she was ready to reheat it. The remainder of the stop was uneventful. There was no blood, no overturned furniture, and no drag marks at the scene. When investigators investigated the salon, money had been taken from the safe and Patrice's lunch had been left out uneaten, but there was no other evidence of a break-in or a struggle. The police officers can only go on the assumption that something happened between 11.37am when Patrice answered her last phone call and 11.50am when she didn't pick up the phone. When Pistol was taken to the salon by police officers, detectives informed him that Patrice had gone missing. He couldn't believe it and was certain she would come back shortly. At around 2pm, Rob contacted work and informed that she had gone missing. He was praying she was alright. Detectives informed him that he would be interviewed when he arrived at the salon, which he noticed he was being investigated as a possible suspect, which he understood given his wife's disappearance. Investigators were initially unsure whether Patrice had been kidnapped or not. Nothing in or around the salon suggested a crime had occurred. Her black Chevy Tahoe was parked in front of the salon and looking west was the only thing out of place. This was unusual because according to her clients and loved ones, she always backed into the position on the side of her building closest to the side door. It's unknown if she or someone else was behind the wheel. According to one theory, an assailant convinced her to move her car to get their car jump-started, then took her. When Kylene arrived at the salon, police had already begun a large-scale search of the area. A thorough search was carried out, but Patrice was nowhere to be found. It was hoped she was still alive and had departed on her own free will. Her family and friends, on the other hand, couldn't believe she would abandon or leave Pistol, who she loved and cared for so deeply. Where would you go if I were to go somewhere? Around two weeks before she vanished, Patrice inquired to Pistol. I'm not sure. I'm guessing it's my father's property, he continued. He remembered her not explicitly stating that she was going. Around 600 days later, the remains of a person were discovered and identified as Patrice's. Patrice's wedding ring was not discovered alongside her body. According to authorities, the ring was never discovered. On December the 6th, 2005, 20 months after Patrice's disappearance, Albert Clark and his pals were working at Lebanon Baptist Church, six miles from the salon, where they had a break on the back steps. Albert noticed birds flying around in the neighboring woods. He and a friend decided to go and see what they could discover there. After seeing a dead animal, his friend noticed a white object nearby. They realized it was a human skull at that point. Albert and his friend contacted the Dawson County Sheriff's Office, notifying investigators about their discovery. More remains were discovered after a thorough search of the region. They were positively identified as Patrice's. When Pistol was called to the office that day, he was in school and he was informed that her remains had been discovered. Patrice's bones were discovered in a very rural and isolated place. It would have been tough to carry dead weight over that terrain. According to investigators, they did say though that she could have been carried to the area. Not only that, but her body could have been dragged to the location. Pistol told police that he thought Rob was involved in Patrice's death. He believed that her attempt to divorce Rob played a significant role in it. Rob could have been envious if she had left him for someone else. Nancy also advised the police to keep an eye on Rob. She understood Patrice had been dissatisfied with him. She always suspected he played a role in it. 
To figure out what happened on the morning of Patrice's disappearance, investigators first created a timeline. She had customers in her salon throughout the morning. Based on her appointment book, they were able to figure out who was there. The first client, Pam Shepard, arrived at 8.50am for her 9am appointment. She recalls Patrice appearing to be distracted and uninterested in her. At 11.05am, Pam left the salon and 10 minutes past 11, Paul Cantor arrived for his haircut. He then left at 11.27am. As he was leaving the salon, he received a phone call, which was confirmed by phone records. A customer called at 11.35am to cancel an appointment. She remembered Patrice being a little sluggish on the phone, which was unusual for her. The conversation lasted approximately two minutes. The second call came in around 11.50am according to phone records. This call went unanswered. Something occurred to her in the 13 minutes between 11.37 and 11.50, according to investigators. According to the officers, the events followed in this order. 8.50 a.m. Pam Shepard, the first client, comes to Patrice's salon for a 9 a.m. appointment. Patrice has arrived, appeared to be distracted and inattentive, according to the customer. Pam leaves the shop at 11.05 a.m. Paul Cantor arrives for his haircut at 10 minutes past 11. Paul departs at 11.27 a.m. As he was leaving, the customer received a phone call, which the police were able to confirm using his phone records. 11.35 a.m. A customer requests an appointment change. Patrice was brief on the phone, which was unusual for her. According to the customer, the call was only two minutes long. 11.50 a.m. Based on the phone records, Patrice's next call came in at this time. According to Mitchell, one of the policemen, there was, however, no response. So you may decide that something isn't quite right there, he explained. At roughly 11.45am, two separate witnesses noticed another car in front of Patrice's salon. Patrice's vehicle was the first thing witness Tommy Fincher spotted as she came over the hill. She then observed a Chevy Lumina pulling up on the front of her salon. A Georgia Quail wildlife tag was attached to it. The salon's front entrance was open. She noticed two people around the Lumina, a taller, dark-haired lady near the salon's front door, probably Patrice, an older lady on the passenger side. They had their hands on each other. She couldn't tell if one had tripped and fell or the other was pushing the other one over, but it didn't appear to be normal. At about the same time, the second witness drove past the salon. The second vehicle, he believed, was a Ford Taurus, maybe a Malibu. A male with shoulder-length hair was also seen standing next to the vehicle. Both witnesses are believed to be credible because they reported the same event in essentially the same way and were completely unrelated to one another. Tammy feels she saw Patrice arrive for the last time. She feels bad about herself because she did nothing about it at the time. Despite everyone's efforts to ensure Pistol that Patrice would return home safely, he knew she would never abandon him. He walked through the woods for hours, calling her name and trying to find her. He hadn't been away from her in a long time. Even though he was just 15 at the time, he claims that the scenario forced him to mature quickly. He also stated that when she vanished, he went through some difficult times. Rob and Pistol had an unstable relationship based on what Pistol has said. When they married, he was about 8 years old. Nancy recalls Patrice being extremely happy when she married Rob, believing that he was the one she was meant to be with. Rob was nice to Pistol during the first year, according to Pistol, and he tried to be involved in his life. He later transformed into a different person and acted in a very different manner with Pistol. He tried to convince Pistol that he wasn't good enough. He would go past his room and say obscene things to him. 
Nancy recalls Rob being very possessive of Patrice, constantly hovering around her. He resented Patrice's friendship with her pals. Patrice was apparently unhappy, according to Kylene, and she and Rob battled frequently. He seemed to want all of her to himself. He also didn't understand why Patrice was so focused on Pistol. He assumed he wasn't getting enough attention, since Pistol was. At various times, Pistol watched Patrice and Rob fighting. Patrice would never back down if the fight was about Pistol. Rob, on the other hand, denied that he and Patrice ever fought. He stated that Pistol was envious of his and Patrice's intimate friendship. He further stated that Pistol was never disciplined by her and that if she did, he would go insane. Patrice had discussed divorcing Rob a few weeks before her disappearance, according to Pistol, since she had supposedly been dissatisfied with the relationship for several years. Rob said that she never brought up the subject of divorce with him. He stated that he had problems from time to time, but he prefers not to recall them, and he was excited to spend the rest of his life with her. Rob changed all the locks on the house doors the day after Patrice went missing. He wouldn't let Pistol in his room to grab his clothes or other belongings. Pistol pounded on Rob's door and windows, but he remained unresponsive. Rob claimed that he did it as a preventative measure. He didn't want Pistol in the house since he did not care for him. He wanted him to go somewhere else so he could be sure he was secure. He also didn't want to be forced to put up with his nonsense. Pistol moved back in with his father when Patrice disappeared. Don was also depressed by Patrice's disappearance, so it was a rough period. Even though their relationship ended, the two remained close friends and communicated every day. Pistol became increasingly agitated as the days passed. He hoped Patrice would show up one day, stated she had departed to set up a haven for them to escape Rob. He awoke every morning, expecting that today would be the day his mother returned. That day, however, never came. Richard Tamber, Patrice's father, had similar hopes that she would visit him one day and hoped to hear from her or receive a letter from her one day. Others, such as Nancy, began to realize that she was unlikely to be discovered alive as time went on. Although it is still unknown who is to blame for Patrice's death, there have been various fake admissions over the years. In the last 16 years since Patrice's death, two serial killers, Jeremy Brian Jones and Gary Michael Hilton, have been accused of murdering her, with Jones confessing to the crime. In the meantime, investigators attempted to speak with everyone who knew Patrice. To figure out what happened, they looked at money records, phone records and other information. They also investigated several potential candidates. Gary Michael Hilton, a serial killer, was one of them. He abducted Meredith Emerson and her dog while they were on a walk. He took them to Dawson County, where he brutally murdered her after keeping her alive for several days. Hilton had been stopped for a driving infraction where the salon is located, so he was known to be in the area. He was infamous for phoning people and defrauding them of their money. He informed investigators that his favourite location to go to was a hair salon in one of his statements, usually about lunchtime. He would go in and ask for money. He was renowned for hunting people and, if the opportunity presented, he would kidnap someone. On the day of Patrice's disappearance, investigators were unable to locate an alibi for him. Even though they have no proof of his involvement, he does remain a suspect. Jeremy Jones is another possible suspect in the case. He was arrested in Mobile, Alabama in January 2005 for the murder of a woman. He was easy to talk to, but he also seemed to have a devil inside him who enjoyed sexually abusing and killing women. According to investigators, he admitted to assassinating at least six women. Jones admitted to killing Patrice. He said that while high on dope, he would turn evil. He claimed that he was passing by when he decided to approach the salon in his confession. He walked inside and informed her that his vehicle needed a jumpstart. He drew a knife from his pocket and forced her into his car. 
he threatened to kill her if she attempted to flee. He drew a diagram of where she parked her car and where he parked his car, and it was spot on. He stated that after murdering her, he drove her to a bridge above Sweetwater Creek in Douglas County and discarded her there. Investigators brought dogs, boats, and a search and rescue team. Despite a thorough search, no evidence of Patrice has been discovered. Jones may have made a false confession, according to investigators. He eventually changed his mind. There was no evidence linking him to Patrice's case. He has not, however, been ruled out as a suspect. Indeed, one of the investigators stated that Jones told them things that he believed he could not have known unless he had visited the salon. Now, Rob denies any involvement in Patrice's murder, claiming that it would have been physically impossible for him to be involved at the time. He was at home on the day of her disappearance. He got gas for his vehicle before going to work. He had a receipt with a timestamp to confirm it. Her salon was about a 45 minute drive from Woodstock, where he was obtaining petrol. He further stated that at work, there was a mechanical gate that tracked his arrival time. Furthermore, he said that he had no reason to kill Patrice because she lacked life insurance. Rob was thoroughly investigated, according to investigators. They drew out a day-by-day -day schedule for him. They pointed out that while this timing does not rule him out, it certainly minimizes the likelihood. They could not rule out a murder for hire scenario, but they didn't believe it was likely, as they uncovered nothing that suggested he did that. According to Rob, someone familiar with Patrice's routine was involved. Based on the lack of struggle at the scene, he believes it was someone she knew. He also thinks that more than one person was involved. He believes she was kidnapped and used as a toy for several days before being slain and abandoned. Rob also believes that the perpetrator transported her to the site where she was recovered in a wheelbarrow. Investigators are certain that whatever happened to Patrice occurred between 11.37 and 11.50 a.m. In a matter of 13 minutes, they do not believe a robbery was the primary motive. Even though money was taken from the cash register, salons are rarely targeted for armed robberies because there is usually not much cash on hand. They also mention how busy the route was, where the salon was based, with customers frequently asking for directions or other assistance. It's possible that the wrong person entered the business and abducted her because all of this happened in 13 minutes. Investigators believe the blue vehicle observed outside the salon is crucial to solving the case. They're hoping to track down someone who had this type of car at the time. Also missing is Patrice's wedding ring. It has a 1.5 carat pear shaped diamond and two 14 carat gold rings. Some portions of the investigations are classified as guilty knowledge information and investigators refuse to reveal them. Only the killer and the police have access to this information. This material can be used to support or refute a confession. When Patrice's body was brought to the funeral home, Rob requested that the workers reassemble her and lay her out for him to see. This is exactly what they accomplished, placing the remains in the proper position. The director then brought Rob inside the room with the remains when that was completed. Rob then took her skull and walked around with it for a few minutes. He kissed her farewell before putting her back. Patrice was subsequently cremated. Rob kept her ashes in his bed for over a year after they were handed to him. He referred to them as his teddy bear. He stated that it reminded him of happy memories. Pistol verifies that none of Patrice's ashes ever reached him. He also did not receive any of her photographs or other personal items. Despite the passage of 15 years, he remains hopeful that he will be able to bring closure or justice to her case. Patrice's family suspects Rob of being involved in her murder. She was unhappy with her marriage, according to her friends and family, and desired a divorce. The two battled frequently, according to her son Pistol. Even though she was still gone, he changed the locks to the house the day after she vanished. 
He kept her remains in his home after they were discovered and refused to deliver them to anybody else. Rob, on the other hand, claims to have an alibi for the day of the disappearance, which he backs up with a time-stamped receipt. He hasn't been ruled out as a suspect despite this. Patrice's murder was confessed by a serial killer named Jeremy Jones. He claimed that he went to the salon and pretended to need assistance jump-starting his vehicle. He then snatched her with a knife in his hand. He then murdered her and disposed of her body in Sweetwater Creek. Her body, however, was not discovered there. This confession was eventually retracted. Her body was eventually discovered in a wooded location far from the creek. One investigator, however, claimed to know things about the salon that only someone who had been there would know. Other sources dispute this, claiming that he only learned about the case because it was reported in the press. Gary Michael Hilton, a serial killer, has also been mentioned as a probable suspect in Patrice's case. Meredith Emerson was kidnapped and murdered by him. Her dog, as well as some of her possessions, were eventually discovered in coming. He was known to have visited the location of Patrice's disappearance. He also informed detectives that one of his favourite spots to visit is hair salons. He was never charged in Patrice's case, but he is still considered a suspect. Two witnesses said that they saw an unusual blue vehicle in front of the salon shortly after Patrice was last seen. The vehicle was characterized as a 1992 Chevy Lumina with a Georgia Wildlife tag, according to one witness. The same witness claimed to have seen two women in the front of the car, one of whom was elderly. The vehicle was described by other witnesses as a Ford Taurus or a Chevy Malibu from 1999 to 2002. He saw a woman and a man with shoulder length hair standing beside the vehicle. Her dinner had barely been cooked after Patrice had disappeared. The cash register had run out of money. Patrice's keys were in the store, but her car had been moved from where it usually is parked, which was unsettling. The crime scene didn't have much noteworthy evidence. However, 600 days later, two church volunteers made an unexpected discovery. Her skeletal bones were discovered behind a Lebanon Baptist church, where birds had been picking at an animal carcass nearby. While most of her bones were discovered, no one was able to locate her wedding ring. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation is looking at any leads for information on Patrice's death, including the whereabouts of her missing ring. Jeremy Jones was subsequently dropped as a suspect, but he was a prominent lead early in the investigation. Jones was convicted of the rape and murder of Lisa Nichols and has confessed to other several crimes. He claimed he murdered Patrice and put her body in Douglas County's Sweetwater Creek, but something about Jones's confession didn't add up. Patrice's body was found 70 miles away from where he claimed to have abandoned her. Jones also only repeated information that had previously been broadcasted on the news, but he later retracted his confession. Next, we've got Rob. So Rob described his connection with his wife as affectionate but full of problems. Rob was possessive and controlling over his wife, according to Andres' friends and family. Pistol, Rob's stepson, had a lot of problems with him. Pistol, then in high school, was restricted from the house after Rob changed all of the locks shortly after his mother went missing. Rob also admitted to some unusual conduct, giving that everyone grieves in their own way. He said that he had picked up her skull while grieving. He also admitted to spending a year hugging her ashes. Apart from these weird activities, Rob had a perfect alibi. He said that he was on his way to work and that his gas receipt and location of employment might show his innocence. He was simply too far away from her salon. Was his alibi, however, too good to be true? Rob mentioned earlier in the Netflix show that he has a criminology degree, so he might know how to get around the police. Patrice's friends and family said that she was unhappy and contemplated leaving Rob, which could have been a motive for him to kill her. We have no way of knowing if Rob was personally involved in the crime or if it was completely unrelated to the case. 
An unidentified attacker could have been watching the salon. Perhaps it was a thief posing as a customer. It's not unreasonable to imagine that a robbery went wrong, and the perp needed to dispose of the evidence since the money had gone missing from the cash register. The missing money, on the other hand, was most likely to confuse the investigators. Money was still in her handbag and bank account. The abductor does not appear to have left any significant DNA evidence at the crime scene. But that begs the question, what would motivate someone to kidnap and murder her? The perpetrator had to have known Patrice's schedule, and that no one would be around at lunchtime. Two witnesses driving by remembered seeing two people in front of the business by a car that didn't belong to Patrice. They claimed to have seen a guy and a woman next to a Ford, while another witness claimed to have seen a woman next to a Chevy. They both observed the same thing, two people, one of whom had shoulder length hair, standing next to a blue vehicle. The salon door was open, according to witness Tammy Fincher, and the vehicle had a Georgia Wildlife sticker on it. Fincher stated that their hands were on each other, but as mentioned earlier, she couldn't tell if one was pushing the other or one was pulling the other one up. Either way, she didn't think it was normal, but didn't stop. Two of Patrice's regular customers arrive at Tamba's Trim and Tan salon for their scheduled appointments at noon on April 15th, 2004. Patrice, the salon's owner, and a hairstylist is nowhere to be seen. Her handbag and keys are on the desk. Meanwhile, her lunch is out and her vehicle is parked in an unusual location in front of the salon. The two women know something is severely wrong when they notice the cash drawer is empty, so they dial 911. The hunt for Patrice begins right away. Patrice had ambitions of owning a hair business. Rob, her husband, assisted her in purchasing the property and completing the renovation. Rob is heartbroken after she vanishes, claiming that she adored Patrice and adored her with all his heart. Patrice's son, family and friends are divided on the issue. He was accused of being jealous, possessive and controlling, and Patrice was on the verge of divorcing him. The abduction destroyed Rob's already difficult relationship with his stepson Pistol. Patrice's family hopes and prays for her return, but her disappearance has all the hallmarks of an abduction. For weeks, police, relatives and friends searched the area. Investigators constructed a timeline based on Patrice's clients and cell phone calls that day and determined that the kidnapping occurred within 13 minutes. Jeremy Jones, a serial killer, confesses to abducting and killing Patrice months after she vanishes and claims to know facts about the crime that only the abductor could know. Some investigators cross him off their list of suspects when he later recalls his confession. Despite this, one detective believes Jones was the one who kidnapped and murdered Patrice. Patrice's skeletal remains were discovered behind a chapel in Dawson Forest, Georgia, around 11 miles from her salon, about two years after she vanished. Investigators seek someone with clues or any critical information to help solve the mysterious abduction and murder of Patrice Andres, since there are multiple plausible suspects but insufficient evidence to pursue any charges. Now, going forward, my thoughts on Rob are mixed. I thought it was unusual that he wanted her bones reassembled to look like her body. He could have just been attempting to come to grips with what he had done. Not only that, but he slept with her ashes as well. Again, this could just be the way certain people deal with grief. Another thing to mention though is he refused to share her with anyone in life and he will not allow anyone to share or even see her ashes. I'm also baffled by the focus of those 13 minutes, especially when it is known that the call was short and apparently unusual during the last phone call, which is not like Patrice at all. We're seeing this unusual behaviour without any explanation or any evidence as to why. The fact that she was planning on divorcing him, as well as her question to Pistol about what he would do if she had disappeared, makes it seem like she knew she was in trouble before she vanished. 
I'm not sure who did it, but I don't believe it was a stranger. The most important indication in this case is that eyewitnesses who are completely unrelated to one another were able to report that there was a blue vehicle in the parking lot and that her vehicle was parked in an unusual location. As strange as Rob's acting was in the Netflix show, I would like to say he wasn't involved. However, it is hard to say though, given his background in criminology. Not only that, but there are certain feelings you get when you know something might be off. But then again, he did also help Patrice set up her salon. Although it wouldn't surprise me if it was Rob. I do understand both views on it and what the motive may have been given Patrice was talking about a divorce. Someone who was a frequent visitor to the salon or had visited a few times, it is a plausible suspect. Robbery didn't appear to be a motive unless the suspect believed it was his or hers last opportunity. Many of her acquaintances said that she was a very outgoing and friendly person. Therefore, I can see why she could have been singled out for this reason. Patrice Andres's case is still a mystery for the time being, and who knows if it will ever be solved, as it has been around 17 years since the disappearance, but at this point in time, it still remains unsolved. That's all for now. Please make sure to leave a review or share it with someone you know who you think might be interested in true crime, mysteries, and much more. Be sure to follow our social media, which is PiecedPod, P-I-E-C-E-D-P-O-D. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Until then, take care, and I'll see you next month for another episode of Peace.